Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our study of the book of Jude with verses 17 through 20. Jude is a warning to the church against certain ungodly persons who creep into the church unnoticed. These people infiltrate the body of Christ and can inflict tremendous damage. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he presents today's portion of this week's message entitled, But You, Beloved. A few weeks ago, after the um, first service, um, a man came up and uh, we were talking. We talked on many occasions and he proposed to me an interpretation of something that Jesus said that's recorded in the Gospels. And uh, I told him that um, I, I get what you're saying, but the meaning that he was giving to that verse uh, wasn't possible according to the Greek, or even the English for that matter. It's not that there's a, a translation problem. And when I said that, he became quite agitated. And so I explained to him, we need to understand that there is only one correct meaning of any passage of the Bible. It's what the original writer, in his vocabulary, in his place, in his time, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write to his original readers and what he expected them to understand in that grammatical and historical context. That's the one correct meaning, and we have to sometimes work a little bit to make sure we know what that meaning is. And when I said that, he raised his voice and said, Oh, you're an expert, are you? About that loud. And uh, I, I explained, well, I, I'm telling you that is what the Greek says. And yeah, I do know it. But anybody else can verify what I said. And so I went on to explain, thought this would settle things down, that if we have different interpretations of a passage, then either I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right, and I'm wrong, or we're both wrong, and we haven't found the meaning yet. But there are not contradictory interpretations of any passage of uh, the Bible. Well, he ended up yelling a couple more things, and he stormed out. And that was the culmination of a number of interactions that Scott Basolo and I have had with him over a, over a span of many weeks. And I, and I pray for him. I would love to have him uh, come back once he meets with the elders and, and we talk about uh, what some ground rules are for fellowship in the, in the church. But what offended that man and what infuriated that otherwise quite friendly man was the idea that there is one specific and understandable faith. There's one set of doctrines which is once for all handed down to the saints. Now he, he emailed me later uh, that one of the reasons that he rejects the authority of the Apostle Paul, which was one of his big points, and he rejects the authority of Paul's New Testament books, is that he said Paul disagreed with Jesus and the earlier apostles, and, and he offered me proof. His proof was 
we don't have any verse where Jesus says you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and therefore Paul was twisting what Jesus taught. You see, didn't understand the idea that God has used all of the writers of Scripture together to put together this once for all handed down to the saints faith. In other words, he was denying the uniqueness of the one true gospel and the one set of truth in the New Testament. He's denying the, 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 the gospel of our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ by denying the plenary verbal inspiration of the Bible, that every word is inspired and all of it is equally inspired. Now I have to say, uh, church life would be easier, uh, especially for the shepherds of the flock, if only people would shout and storm out when they reject something that the Bible teaches. But that's not usually how the creepy ones act. Most stay under the radar and they take the long game they, and they choose to stay and sow discord or, or spread apathy or discontent. Now, having referred to certain persons who've infiltrated and having labeled them ungodly persons, the next thing Jude did, and we saw this, he gave us three vivid illustrations of evil influences that corrupt God's people if allowed to continue. That was verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. Those ungodly persons, for example, the unbelievers who kept Israel out of the promised land, they were perfectly fine with accepting the deliverance from slavery, but oh, that Ten Commandments stuff, I don't think so. Then there was the angels who sinned grotesquely. There, was the men, there were the men of Sodom who tried to do what the evil angels did, only in reverse, going after uh, flesh of a different kind. The third reference to the creepy ones is in verse 8, these men... Verse 8 begins, yet in the same way these men, that is, in the same way as those three illustrations of rebellious infiltrators, um, that's what these men are doing. Reference 4 is again these, these men. It's in verse 10. But these men revile things which they do not understand. And from those two references, we know they flout the boundaries that God created, just as demons do. You know, an, an example today would be the, um, what it is, the, what is it, the Respect for Marriage Act. We respect marriage so much that we're going to give it a new definition that is completely in contradiction to what God says. That's the kind of thing that's coming. It's here, actually. It also tells us that they revile things they don't understand. The word revile is literally blaspheme. They'll, they will raise their voices. They will, they will try to, uh, to criticize things that they don't even understand. There's another reference to them in verse 11 with the pronoun them. Verse 11 begins three-word sentence, woe to them. Woe is that pronouncement of divine damnation. And then uh, Jude gave us an avalanche of illustrations to describe those infiltrators. And he goes on from verse 11 through verse 13. None of these descriptions do you want to wear. Gone the way of Cain, rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. They are hidden reefs in your love feast, clouds without water, dead trees, wild waves like a hurricane leaving its wreckage wandering stars that are headed for darkness. The sixth reference to them 
into verse 14. It's another these men. Verse 14, it was all also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied. Now, as Scott explained when he got to this passage, the, the reference here is from the book of Enoch. That's part of a group of Jewish books, Jewish writings, collectively known as the pseudepigrapha. Uh, it contains some things that were said by the man Enoch. You can read about him in Genesis chapter 5. He's, he's one of two people in the Bible that, that got sort of a personal rapture. He didn't die. He was just taken directly to be with the Lord. The other one is Elijah. Okay, I thought, I thought you'd finish my sentence. Okay. Um, but this book, the book of Enoch, was not written by Enoch, uh, and it's not part of the canon of Scripture. Nevertheless, it was well known among Jews of the first century, and it came to be well known by all of the early Christians, both Jews and Gentiles. So Jude just simply quoted something with which they were familiar that reiterated his point. I could quote to you from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. That wouldn't make the Gettysburg Address inspired, but if it's illustrating a biblical principle, I could use it as an illustration. That's, what, that's all that Jude is doing. And the reference to the book of Enoch describes these men in several ways. And there is definitely a theme word in what he included there in verse, um, in verse uh, 14 um, and 15 and 16. All the ungodly their ungodly way deeds done in an ungodly way and harsh things spoken by ungodly sinners. He's talking about the fate of the ungodly and the fact that there are ungodly ones who infiltrate the fellowship of God's people. Now, I'll give you a little sidebar here. Scott, um, being as respectful as he is, didn't want to trample on my turf, knowing I wrote my master's thesis on the identity and the sin of those angels back in Jude 6 and 7. So he left it to me to tell you that something else interesting about the book of Enoch is that the book of Enoch contains the oldest known comments on Genesis chapter 6. And it tells us that the best of Jewish scholars a century or two before Jesus, understood the sons of God in Genesis 6 to be demons. That was what I came to understand that, that to mean. And that in itself, the fact that that is in Enoch, doesn't prove that my interpretation of Genesis 6, Genesis 6 is correct. But along with all the exegetical reasons for saying they are fallen angels, it's kind of like a cherry on top of the whipped cream of the conclusion that uh, that is the correct understanding of that. So if you disagree with me, you've got a few centuries of interpretation to, uh, uh, to, to argue against. And you can get to heaven without a proper understanding of the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6. But it's more fun to agree with me, so uh, <laughs> take that. Reference number 7 to the creepy ones. Verse 16, the pronoun these. These are grumblers, finding fault. Following after their own lusts, they speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. And from that description, we know more about these infiltrators. They are grumblers. That's that word gongudzo in the Greek. It means murmuring about circumstances. They are finding fault 
they not only complain about circumstances, they find people to blame. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.